0: welcome to bridge the gap my name is holden stefan roy this is the show where we talk to interesting people such as obsolete over here and we go through their life story and we extract some knowledge nuggets and we just kind of you know what i really enjoy about it is is for stuff like a little spoilers he's from kentucky and i'm from montreal you know how many people i ever talked to from kentucky not many if I can recall it, a pretty big zero of astounding memories that I have from that. So it's like pretty dope for me to be able to like have the experience like that. On that note, I did spoil it a little bit, but if you could just confirm for us and let us know a little bit where you come from to start your life before we really get into it.
1: Man, so what's crazy is you talk about, you know, no, you don't know anybody from Kentucky and shit. So how many people do you know that were born in Alaska? none so now you know well i lied i might
0: actually know people that are born in alaska and i'm not aware of it but cognizantly like yes so i was
1: like the same shit (laughs) so i was born in alaska man i lived there until i was like three years old i was a military brat baby you know um so I tell people that shit, and of course, that automatically throws them off, and I always get the, no the fuck you were, and it's like, no, I've, I don't remember it, but I, I've seen videos and pictures and shit, you know, it's like, it's on my fucking birth certificate, Um, but yeah, and then uh, I moved all over as a kid, man, I lived in uh, Washington State for a few years, uh, New York for pretty much the other half of my life like i've spent about 17 years in kentucky total um so we're gonna
0: run through a lot more detail on that but what's really important is that the beginning (laughs) part of this starts in alaska and then we're gonna run through it and you're gonna see it's pretty sequential to your life story i do have an opening question that i like to ask everybody and what's up immortal i see you in the chat um Oh, is the chat. Oh, yeah, the chat's right. Never mind. So I do have... It's an opening Mm -hmm. question. A little bit of a story. When it lands, you can take it away. And we'll get start getting to know you a bit better. And it all starts with my girlfriend. She's washing the dishes one time. She's got her phone out. And she's playing that Black Eyed Peas song. I got a feeling. (laughs) She's like vibing. And she's dancing. And she's doing her thing. And I look at her. And I wonder to myself. When in the fuck did this song become chores music? Right? Because if you think about the song, it used to be like middle of the night, amazing times, everybody drunk, dancing, doing their thing. 10 years goes by, 11 years goes by, we all get a little bit older. The song does not change in the least because it's a song, but our relationship with it evolves in such a way where it goes from being the party music, the highlight of the night to... I really wish I was back partying and instead I'm washing dishes slash working out slash (laughs) insert activity. That's kind of actually boring, Loki. Yep. And then that got me just thinking about the relationship of music we have over time and how it evolves. Like if we think about all these little twenty-year-olds running around, like they be on the pop smokes and whatnot, they don't know that one day that's gonna be their like thirty-something-year-old with dishes washing music, and they don't know that when I found Pop Smoke, I started washing dishes to it because that's kind of what we do. We just we just moves on like that. And then I realized that <laughs> as we're going through the different stories of artists, and we started listening to all of their trajectories and the way that they go through their lives. Everybody kind of starts the story at the same place. This adolescent phase when they come into their own. The I started listening to hip hop when I was 12 and I found this tape or I started writing at this moment. And it's like, this is all super important information, but it is absolutely not the beginning of the story. It's, it's just some chapter that comes a bit later on. Like I'm willing to bet money in Alaska when you popped out in the hospital and whatnot whatever military based thing, what a hospital, there was some music playing and you were absorbing that shit and nobody remembers what the fuck it is. Um, and then, <laughs> and I know that cause like I can think about being like five years old, super, you know, young, and we're in this apartment in Montreal, and there's all these gray boxes on the wall. There's the fucking tape deck, the amp, the preamp, the radio, and all the wires going to all the speakers all around the room in the apartment. And my dad would be busting his Led Zeppelin tapes and things like that. And at night, it would be live from the clubs in Montreal, the techno musics and different things like that that would be playing throughout the 90s. My mom's she was more into the musicals and the love songs and the whole other vibes. She, disco was big for her. Things like that that played around me, all of this surround my life when I had no control over the soundscape of my existence, but it still influenced me and it still impacted me as a person. So I was hoping, Obsolete, you could bring us back to the youngest Obsolete you can remember being, whether it's Alaska or the next phase, and tell us a little bit about what you remember it sounding like with regards to the musical taste of your parents and the environment.
1: Well, crazy story that I remember, like, not necessarily remember, remember, but have seen photo and unfortunately VH, you know, evidence. Because I'm old enough to to be from when VH ta- VHS tapes were still a thing and everybody had the big ass home <laughs> camcorders and shit. Um, but I have seen video footage. I had to have been probably like two years old, dude. And I was running around the house in a fucking diaper and some giant cowboy boots that I had no business having on. And this little fucking hat. And running around dancing to, uh, I want to say it was Salt and Peppers fucking high, high push it or whatever. And it, don't quote me a hundred percent, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And uh, I, I saw that later on in life. You know, that was one of those blackmail things that you know I always heard about and actually saw for myself. And I, you know, I, I still wasn't fully known about my passion for music when I saw it, so I guess it it didn't really make sense. But now you know, thinking of stuff like that, like. You're exactly right, man. As as long as I can remember, music, you know, was a part of it. Like, um, you talk about that next phase. I don't remember much about Alaska. I don't remember much of a lot of my childhood up until I was about seven, eight years old, right before I moved with my grandmother up in New York. Um On which part but I know like, were you in? Uh it's a town called Little Valley, man, and it's exactly that like population a thousand in seven or some shit like that was last year's census like it's tiny tiny bro um middle of nowhere like my grandparents had 30 acres give or take um so that was pretty much the earliest like i remember being about seven eight years old when i lived on the military base in uh olympia washington and you know, going to see, like, the Mount St. Helens and things like that, Um, and that, you know, we'll get to later on, because that actually plays a a huge part of my life still today, Um, but, like, music-wise, man, I I was, like, 10 years old when I lived with my grandparents, and uh, I used to go to church a lot, because my grandmother was, you know, big into church and, and all of that, and I was singing in, you know, like, the choir and doing, like, little competitions with youth groups and stuff like that, and that was really the first time I ever found I mean, obviously, you know, you hear music on the radio, all that, you know, all that time growing up and stuff as you're a kid. But I guess then was really when I started to so, realize yeah. how much it was impacting me.
0: So basically when you were like really young, a lot of stuff happened. You weren't really caring about the music as much. It was just more like a background thing that it kind of kicked you into high gear when you hit the churches up. and you
1: know. Pretty much, um, you know, not – I know we'll get into all that later. But like my early childhood wasn't, you know – I, I tell people all the time. I'm pretty sure I wasn't wanted from the moment I got here, and then my siblings came along and just kind of verified that. So you know, most of those childhoods and shit like that, I don't, I don't necessarily don't want to think about. But honestly, when I try to sit down and think about like memories from my childhood and really try to, you know, I'm, I'm an average marijuana smoker. My memory, shit, anyway. But when you know, when you know, you know what I'm talking about. When you sit down and have those, Actually, come to yeah, Jesus.
0: I kind of, you know. That. Sometimes when you go through some shit when you're young, um, it's just not the f- funnest shit to go down that path.
2: Yeah,
1: and it's easy to push that shit out and try to leave room for the you know the good shit that you remember. And uh, that's why I said about about the time I was ten when I moved in with my grandmother. You know that was really I can remember a lot of my life from then on. You know it's like because although there was still a lot of shit going on. There was also heavy, you know, looking back at it now, exactly like you said, there was heavily influence of music that really started to mold who I became, you know, and and still becoming to this day.
0: Right. So, like, do you remember outside of music, if you had any, like, passions or hobbies from prior to 10 years old that you were, like, up to?
1: I always loved, like, riding my bike and, you know, doing, like, typical kid shit at that age. Um, I was semi into like sports i think i played like soccer when i was you know seven eight years old nothing you know serious like that um but really no man i i didn't even get introduced to actual like video games until i was about 10 years old when i moved in with my grandparents you know it's like so you know i mean i think my dad had a playstation when i first lived with them before i moved up there but like you know we didn't they had one giant Dell laptop at the time like you know just just crazy shit looking back like that so you know we didn't didn't have a whole lot and you know living on a military base I remember the coolest thing I could do then was I could ride my bike from the house to school every day because it was close enough to the house that you know I could just ride and park my bike at school so I remember stuff like that um and then like I said the cool stuff going to like Mount St. Helen up in, in Washington that was that was pretty cool you know that was a unique experience Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it as far as like that far back with my childhood, honestly.
0: I respect that still. So I mean, I just like, sometimes people had the wildest stuff, but even then you just told us a whole lot about who you are through your story. And I think it's really interesting just to absorb that kind of, um, experience. So then you get into the church thing at like 10 and you're participating in competitions.
1: Yeah, like, through the youth group, I actually went to Syracuse at one point, um, and I can't remember where else, but I actually, like, at one time, God, I wish I knew where they were, but at one point I had a couple little, like, you know, they looked like the participation trophies, but, like, the little plastic trophies with the plaque and my name on it and stuff. Like, I had won a couple competitions singing crazy church songs, you know, and, and was in, like, choir in school, you know, coinciding with that and stuff like that. I, I was, but didn't really... Looking back on it, I didn't take it serious. I kind of think I did it more so to, you know, as you'll learn about me more, you know, my grandmother, as I mentioned, when I moved in with her, like, she became my mom. You know, in in the grand scheme of things, that she became my mom that day. Um, And, you know, she was into church. That was her thing. That was, you know, she loved all that stuff. So I think it was easy for me to mesh with, you know, because that underlying passion for music was there that I didn't know about. But also that sense of like, want to make somebody proud and make somebody, you know, this woman took me into her home. All her kids were grown. Like when she took me in, you know, had been grown. She didn't didn't have to raise her grandkid at you know ten years old. So you know, every part of me wanted, Shout you know, to grandma, do right hey? for her.
0: Huh? Shout out your grandma.
1: I mean, RIP, man. I lost her in two thousand eight, and I still think about her every day. So. You know, I had her for had her for a few years, and I loved every minute of it. And you know, you talk about them memories, man. You know, one of those the fondest things. You, you know, we went to I think it was Toronto and saw the Lion King live on like the Broadway type thing up there. And dude, I could remember that shit like it was yesterday, and I was probably eleven and a half, twelve years old at the time. Like, so, yeah. You know memories like that man that's why i say i i remember a lot of that shit because those those years were the fondest years for the most part for me if that makes sense
0: no nah, it really does make sense i mean what you're describing though is something that i think a lot of people can relate to with regards to the way people deal with childhood memories especially when it's not wonderful like i don't remember a lot of my childhood i mean i have snippets and visions of things there's a lot of my case there was a lot of video games but like it's more like archetypes of shit i know things happen and a lot of it is other people's memories that have been fed to me since i'm older and i don't really remember a lot of it prior to like a certain age so i totally get what you're saying um and then as you're going through like a church choir at 10 i mean like To be fair, 10 is not the age a lot of people take a lot of things seriously. It's very rare I come across the person who's like, "Yo, I was 10 and giving it a million percent effort. I have, in fact, recently I talked to a girl who was like, nah, I'm like 10 and I'm doing six hours a day just to prove I can. Me and my brother were competing to out-practice each other and I'm like, damn, that was not me at 10. But... um, do you remember when you started getting into music for yourself because one of the things you said was like uh your relationship with music changed due to the fact of you participating in these church choir things um so like you know i remember
1: you know from what i remember being young and like it was still kind of the same as i was older my quote-unquote parents they always listened to like country you know 80s hair band shit like that um and my grandmother, she uh, Johnny Horton was one of her favorite artists, man, and and it cracks me up because I'll still listen to it every now and then. But um, you know, music really for me, I want to say I was like eleven, almost twelve, and uh, my aunt she used to listen to a lot of like Bone Thugs and you know uh, Notorious B.I.G. and stuff like that, and that was the first time I had ever really heard anything other than country and hair bands, um, and and. That really caught my ear just because I think, you know, the obviously something different. But really looking again, you know, when you look back at stuff, I think honestly then was when it all kind of started to piece itself together, I guess. Because I love singing in the choir and love doing that type of stuff like, you know, that atmosphere and stuff like that. But singing was never really what I wanted to do. You know, it was just kind of what I did. Um, And then, you know, I heard, you you know, because... I mean, I know it's kind of subjective,
0: but like, were you a good singer as a kid? Uh, I mean, I won a couple of awards. Like,
1: I I think I took second one, and like, and like I said, it was for church stuff, man. But it was, you know, there was we went to Syracuse, me and three other people from my church, because we had won some different competitions to make it to like this thing up in Syracuse. Um, But you know, I was decent. You know, I won't say I was like some grand singer by any means, Um, but I've always had a very unique voice, so. I think they kind of learned how to utilize that and and put songs that I could do really well Um, and I still sing to this day I hate saying that but like I sing at the house and stuff and with my music I'm trying to learn to incorporate some of that as well getting more comfortable with my voice and stuff like that so you know I I'll say I was okay I won't say I was good or great by any means but I was all right I guess
0: I appreciate your humbleness I mean i don't know if i was able to win awards singing at 10 i got the opposite like yo don't sing bro it's not don't quit your day job it was a a big staple of that so like and it's also cool because you got a lot of practice because i was watching it live and you were like you know relatively comfortable as comfortable as one can be when in giant open rooms and you're wishing there's more people in the room um
1: that one you were watching uh when you were talking about my socks man uh that was actually the first like legit legit performance I had done last year and that was like the first performance performance I had done in probably like eight years like yeah, so it's it's been that you know, I know we'll get there, but all that that's been a long road coming man like that in itself to be there and comfortable like that bro it, it's it, it took a lot it did
0: <laughs> I, I believe it and I mean it starts with those kinds of experiences. that's why yeah. Yo- Shut up, Becky2484. It took a lot to get him to loosen up that much, but now he's getting it. That's my fiancé. <laughs> shut up, Becky, holding it down. Everybody shut up the fiancés. Yo, everybody knows Bro. that those people, the ones that support us like that. Bro, I'll, I'll
1: be the first to tell you while we're on that subject, man. And, and I tell her almost every day, like, you know, she don't realize she she is just as much obsolete as i am man like because she when when her and i got together i wasn't doing music anymore i was at a weird point you know so it's like she without her i damn sure wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now I, i'd put my life on that you know it's like so yeah definitely shout out her
0: Shout out becky for one more time y'all <laughs> but yeah no that's really cool i, I like that stuff um So you're running the competitions, and then you're a teenager, and you're getting into hip-hop because your aunt showed it to you, and what else is happening in your life at that time, in the middle of nowhere in New York?
1: I was heavy into sports, man. I was really into playing football. Um, I, I really got like, I don't know why, I, I, I've been this size my whole life, man. I've always been little. I started playing running back and peewee football right when I was you. in sixth grade. I have grade. no
0: idea how tall or big you are relative to the I'm, size. I'm
1: 5'8 and like 160 pounds on a good day.
0: So, yeah.
1: you know, not, you. not big enough to really be trying to be a running back running people over, but, uh, I, I tried out for – I'll never forget, man. I tried out for the football team, and uh, the coach, his son, was the starting running back, and I told him what position I wanted to play, and he's like, no, I think you might need to be, like, a wide receiver or maybe play on defense, and I was like, no, dude, I want to play running back, and I'm, I'm going to play running back, and naturally, by the time it was all said and done, I was playing running back and, and took over his son's starting position and, you know, just – I, I fell in love with football, man, right. at a young age. Is that
0: your way of saying that? You were like, fuck that, you're not better than me, and you did what you <laughs> had to do to be better than the coaches' side right. because the only way it was going down.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it, that's been my attitude my whole life, man. Like I said, I've, I've kind of, as an adult, realized I, I kind of wasn't wanted from the moment I got here, so I don't necessarily want anybody or, or any you know body to want me or feel pity on me, but at the same time, I'm going to go get what the fuck I want. And if I put my mind to it, you ain't going to stop me. Like, and I think at a young age, especially then, like, you know, them teenage years, man, you're starting to get the little hairs on your chest and, you know, start thinking, you know what life is, you know? So it just kind of added into that cocky, like I'm gonna prove you. And that's what I did, man. Like, and that's, that's still what I do to this day.
0: Yeah. I respect that. Um, so After the football, are you, like, getting heavy into music at the same time? Are you, like, just kind of pushing sports?
1: It was really about sports um, up until, like I said, I lived with my grandmother from the time I was about 10 to 11, and then I moved back to Kentucky. Uh, I was almost 14. Um, Fell out of sports from there. Uh, You know, long story short, was supposed to keep doing it, was told, you know, didn't have the money for me to do it found out later in life my grandmother would have, you know, paid that to keep me doing football and shit cuz like I said I was actually pretty good at football. You know, I did some some middle school wrestling and stuff like that, but football was like my passion almost as much as music is now. I was I loved every minute of it. So, moved back with the parents, went back to the, you know, would rather spend more time at school or hang out at the friend's house before, you know, I come home type, you know. So, kind of fell out of all of that and really music didn't come back around until i think it was like my sophomore year i started writing poetry not really any like music or anything just kind of started writing and of course you know it wasn't like haikus or stuff like that it was rhyme schemes you know a b a b a you know patterns and stuff like that um and then shortly after that it kind of started so what, 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 what
0: made you uh, start writing poetry <laughs>
1: Um, I think looking back at it now, man, like that was before I really knew about depression and shit and I think that was just my way to get it out. I've always been one you know, there's still stuff I don't I I talk to my fiance all the time. I don't I don't like to talk about my feelings, you know, I never have been and I'm still getting comfortable with that and I think at a young age I I didn't talk to nobody about my stuff. I mean everybody kind of knew, you know, my, my close friends kind of knew what was going on, but poetry for me was just a way to kind of write it down like a journal, I guess, and just kind of, you know, put it away and not worry about it. Um, and then through that, like I said, at that time I was still heavily influenced with the hip-hop that I had kind of picked up living in New York and started learning more about different artists in that genre. More so as a rebellious, like I was heavy into ICP then, and you know various. Like you know, my playlist was almost as wild then as it is now. But you know, music was really starting to. You didn't see me without a pair of headphones on. Like it didn't matter if I was sitting in class, if I was walking, riding my bike to my homeboy's house. You know, headphones on, music.
0: Can I just say I was listening to these tracks. And I was like, this shit sounds like Magic Ninja Entertainment. I'm 90% certain ICP is going to come up at some point.
1: <laughs> it's funny, man. I'm actually, uh, you talk about that, uh, you know, Ouija Mac? Yes. Uh, I mean,
0: he's, coming and, uh, he's coming to
1: Louisville. And he's coming to Louisville in March. And I'm trying to work out the details on that. I might be opening up for him. So, and then I'm, I'm actually opening up for Haystack down in Clarksville, Tennessee next month as well and so doing a whole bunch of shit man
0: <laughs> now your sound actually really makes sense with that circuit that whole uh chuggalo nation regardless to whoever is friends with who in that scene
1: yep uh, it don't, it's all about music man it's all about like me with mine especially like it's all about yeah i talk about my life and stuff but it's like i i just talk about what's you know what, what I relate to, yes, and I hope other people can relate to, too, because at the end of the day, like, I love what I do, it's fun for me, and it's, you know, I don't want to call it a hobby by any means, because I put just as much time in, whether it's recording and all that, or, you know, everything else, as I do a real job, but, you know, it's, it's what I love to do, Um, but I don't want to, you know, like you said, the, the, those genres and stuff, man, I don't want to necessarily be in any one lane, like, I'm trying to kind of pave my own, if that makes sense, so I'm, tapping into all of it if i can
0: (laughs) i totally hear what you're saying um i as i just look at it at a certain point you're like yo you totally want to pave your own lane but it's also real good to know what fans are gonna fuck with you
1: oh yeah networking man networking like that is the key people don't understand just just putting your face out there and, and talking to the people man like Music brings people together. It doesn't matter what you listen to. Everybody, everybody listens to music in some shape, form, or fashion.
0: The people who don't, and every now and again I meet them, I usually don't get along with them. I'm not even gonna lie to you.
1: I so bad for them, man. Like, what do you do?
0: Like... <laughs> yeah, they, they they like other things. Don't get me wrong, but like, cause yeah, I used to be in like I'm in corporate land the entire time I'm a rapper. i in the corporate sphere. Trying to hustle hip-hop to a bunch of grown-ass people in an office place is a mad different experience, and you discover there are, in fact, people who just legit don't listen to music. Or if they do, it's like, ambiance sounds. Like the ambiance <laughs> section. I'm like, yo, I don't understand your life. But they got whole hobbies. I'm sure those are, they're, they're, I'm sure those people have Twitch on or some shit, though, and like, watched gamers and shit, too. Because there is something some, yeah. to do, but I always went the music route when I was younger.
1: It's just a go-to, man. Like, that's what I say with everybody, you know, music, happy, sad, you know, good, bad music, you know, like you said earlier about washing dishes and stuff, man, it goes from that to hopping in the car and just wanting to ride out and vibe out or, you know, music, you know, should, you know, plays a lot of plays a role in your life, you know, regardless it's everywhere. So it's just how you choose
0: to incorporate with it, I guess. That's fact. To me, a shower isn't a proper shower without music. Bro. <laughs> Feel that in my soul. So, like, um, after the the, the the sports thing, as you're running through high school, um, I guess what kind of evolves next for you? Like, was you leave the high school era?
2: So,
1: I dropped out, <laughs> like, four months before I was supposed to graduate Um, got kicked out. You know, I turned 18, and you know, I was like, "All right, I'm grown." Um, started doing the job thing. Got my GED. Um, linked up with some people here in Hoptown that were doing music. Just kind of on the off chance, I was living with a guy I used to go to school with, and his brother had a studio, and we all used to fuck off and freestyle and just you know do dumb shit, and everybody kind of you know. I guess, could kind of see what I wasn't really seeing at the time. It was just kind of, oh, you know, fun to do. Um, My buddy was like, hey, man, you know, my brother's got a studio. Uh, You should go over there and, you know, y'all should link up. So I went over there and and did some music with him. And uh, it was one of those we met up. He kind of started playing a beat. Um, We kind of all conversated. It was me, him, and his brother. We were all standing in there. Um, He's like, oh, man, he's like, you've seen Hustle and Flow, right? I was like yeah you know he's like oh you remember You remember- yeah of course you know and I'm like I was like yeah man he's like you remember that whoop that trick right and I was like yeah yeah he's like all right watch this so he grabs the keyboard and he started playing it on the keyboard and of course yeah of course we we're all you know been smoking and, and doing our thing that day and we just kind of start this little cypher man and so we did that for like 20-30 minutes and that was fun and then we're like hey man we're gonna do a track so we all sat down and and wrote some verses together and and slapped together you know hindsight looking back at it it was a very sloppy not very well thought out track but you know at that moment like I wrote my verse and I thought it was the greatest shit I had ever wrote you know and it was like all right I'm gonna go record it and of course it, it took a little while to get it right and shit and that minute, that first time I stepped in front of that mic, man, like I, I've said it before and I'll say it again, I felt like I was at home, man. Like that, that right then was when I knew music was really, you know, who I am. Like I don't know, it was all, like I said, it was crazy how it all panned out. I'd have never, I went to school with the dude, but him and I were never really cool. It just wound up some crazy situation. We lived together outside of high school. His brother had a studio, you know. One thing led to another, type.
0: Yo, Hustle and Flow is a really good movie. <laughs> that, Fucking dope c- movie. <laughs> that scene, and I know ne- I didn't even think about this for years. When I was like, what, fourteen, fifteen, I think, when that shit came out or whatever, I saw it a little bit later on though, and I remember watching that scene, and it was like one of the first times because like you two hadn't really popped yet, so it was one of the first times I ever saw somebody like actually put a beat together, and then they like do the song in like that room and that is yeah, one of those dude. pivotal moments where I'm like yo I'm gonna be a rapper It was watching that scene <laughs> in Hustle and Flow
1: dude I remember just watching that movie and like I said it that was before you know all that shit just music man like you know, throughout my teenage years, like I said, you know, up until I left high school, it was the same thing, you know, 24-7, you saw me with headphones on, like, listening to whatever it might have been, and, you know, it just so happened, like I said, everything lined out, and uh, it was just crazy that, that that was his go-to, like, you know, I can make that beat on the keyboard right quick, and he just started, and it's it, wild. I don't know. See, so I will
0: did this cypher, made the room yeah. track in your fucking basement, or whatever, and you guys had mics and yeah. shit? yeah he had he had like
1: uh so he had it set up in his room and he had like this little side room where he had the little mic and all that stuff set up and uh he had all his keyboard and all that stuff man and we all just sat right in there on like i want to say there were the little camping chairs bro like we all camped out with the little notebooks and everybody's ripping out a piece of paper and finding something to write on and we all slapped these verses together and went and recorded them and, I'm pretty sure if I dove deep enough down the wormhole, I may be able to find that track somewhere. I wouldn't wouldn't guarantee it, but yeah, it was just it was a crazy like spur of the moment, I guess. Like me, him, and I can't remember the other kid's name that was there, but it was us three.
0: So you had the guy who you can't remember. Next man's from school. This whole studio set up. You make this organic yeah. like spur of the moment track, and that launches into a whole thing.
1: Yeah, so I wound up, that that guy that had the studio, that's who I wound up working with before I ever became obsolete because there's that whole flip side to this thing too that, you know, we had no two-face. I've actually got it it's still tattooed on my forearms, man. I did it for 10, almost 11 years doing it that way. Um, Long story short, you know, we, we can dive into that a little bit if you want, but, you know, it's kind of one of those life happened we we went you know separate ways you know had kids did all that good shit and it
0: is what I mean, it is we no we hard should, feelings but in the middle part so you like what i mean <laughs> the, i don't usually like to go into the dramatic negative parts people don't want to share no, about, you're good. like the other part of it where like you go through being two-faced i mean that's a whole part of your life still is that it should be just you know described yeah
1: it was uh so we we did like in total i want to say it was like two maybe three albums worth of stuff um i did some music with some other guys throughout that time we did that's why i said man like a handful of shows like it wasn't even enough i can remember two or three of them you know like off the top of my head if i thought hard enough about it um but we were more just like Recording a bunch of tracks and putting out a bunch of shit, thinking you know,
0: How are you flood the masses the huh? How did you release them?
1: Uh, at the time, we were doing uh, CDs, and then right about that time, I think was when he started learning about the uh, uh, what was it, Piff I think it was the mixtape site. So we used that just to upload the albums that we had made, you know, and just did it that way. After we had tried to push as many physical copies as we could with the stuff.
0: Did you do well with the Pushing Physicals? Like, Because I don't know a lot about the Kentucky market, right? So the
1: first, it's like a whole the first album thing. we did, we did pretty well with the first album, but we had built up, like, that's the thing. Him and I, at one point, were doing really well around here. Like, we had quite a good following around here, and, like, people really kind of rocking with us, so when we dropped the album, so how, it was easy how, to build. How did
0: you do that without performing shows?
1: Well, we... <laughs> that's why I said, man, he... He was probably 3 4 years older than I was. I don't remember, maybe more than that, but like he kind of had his own network of people that he went to school with that were kind of doing their thing and then I had, you know, a few people that were younger than me. So between those little crowds because you got to think back then really that was like right at the start of the era of the SoundCloud rappers and all that stuff. You know, that was back like 2008, and 2009 when him and I really first like started hardcore doing it doing it like that. Um, but yeah. So at that time, I think we did one show here in Hoptown at the Princess. Um, and that that was insane. What we paid to do that show. Um, and it did pretty decent. But at that time, we were we were more focused on just recording a bunch of shit, man.
0: Mm-hmm. I understand that. Sometimes the fun <laughs> part is recording, and then all the other parts are not that fun.
1: Yep. And at the
0: time, man, like we didn't we didn't really know much about you know, booking shows,
1: and, you know, we w- we were trying to learn as we go, like, you know, I know himself, he was still learning, you know, all the ins and outs as far as the engineering side of that, because I've never, I tell people all the time, I'm no engineer, I don't, I record, and I can do enough to make it sound okay, to where I can send the rough mix off to somebody, and be like, all right, here's your guideline, you know, and here's my vocals, but, you know, other than that, I, I don't want to learn how to do that, I know that sounds kind of arrogant, but, that's that part where we were talking about earlier where it's not so much fun anymore. Like, I don't enjoy that aspect to a point. Um, so he always handled that side of it as well.
0: I, I just want to point out I fucking hate mixing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, by virtue of sheer necessity, I've learned the basics of how to not sound like absolute trash because, like, a DS is a powerful thing. And, yeah. like... You got to know a little one too, but I don't know why everyone's obsessed with trying to do everything. That's one of the most baffling things to me. Like, I know a lot of people who, like, kind of also might feel like it sounds arrogant or something, but I'm like, nah, I know I don't want to do that. Like, I just, yeah, I know right. I need to know enough to talk to engineers so they know I know enough to talk to them.
1: Yeah, like, my guy I use over at en- Enigmatic, man, my dude, home uh, Hermian, he, uh you know, he showed me a few tips and stuff, because when I told him first, when he started, you know, engineering my stuff, I was like, man, I know enough, like, I know enough, I can send you, when I send you the stuff, they're all, you know, titled right, they'll be in the right places where you need, stuff like that, but, like, I don't, I- I'll take your tips and stuff, but, like, I don't want to learn that, it's not, it's not fun to me, you know, at that point, like, because it, it's taking away from what i'm trying to do you know if, if that makes sense so yeah i'm right there with you
0: on the other hand i do think that it, if you're going to take this route you then requires you homies who know how to do this shit, and that is going to oh, yeah. require you money time relations something you're going to pay some way. oh yeah, oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. It, you gotta pay to play but you know when you build that that's the thing like i like when my dudes over at enigmatic aaron and all them guys man we I found a bunch of dudes who have the same vision, you know, that we all do, you know, it's like, yes, everybody needs to do their own thing and kind of do their own thing, but everybody come together and like, and network and not even just with those guys, but like stuff I'm doing outside of that. If we all support each other there's no reason why we all can't can't make enough noise you know i'm not saying we'll all get rich i mean obviously that's the goal and stuff but at the end of the day man if this is really the route you go and, and doing music stuff you know if we just support each other that that makes enough noise to make other people pay attention you know and, and
0: maybe we all need to just change the goalpost people <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean it because when if you listen to everything you're saying I think everybody agrees until we get to the get rich part. I don't know if I care about getting rich. I want to make what I make off of art. Yeah. That's enough. Yeah. Bro, if I made what I made off of art, holy shit, yo. You couldn't touch me. You couldn't touch my ego in a sense because it would be too like I achieved everything just yeah. making what I and make off of the- art. The-
1: you know, I, I'm not saying I want to be broke by any means, but, you know, I, I'd like to be wealthy enough, you know, to, to keep doing what I love. Not, I mean, I, I'm not above right. working a 9 to 5 and then going to hit a show that night and going to the job the next morning, you know, <laughs> to a point until you get there. But, like, everybody <laughs> wants to get to that grind where it's like, all right, do, do I want to go job. to work
0: today? <laughs> like, I, I want that to be know. the job. You know, I want the show yeah. plus the podcast. but I want this to be the job. And then yeah. – maybe the company makes a lot of money, but that's all going to people. But that's the thing is like, realistically, I feel like, an, like it's possible for a lot of people to make 50 K and it might be hard for anybody to get rich. And that's how I see the future of this music game going. But yo, like it's actually kind of getting easier to make like a low end, mid end salary off of music. If you do it right.
1: <laughs> hmm. And it's all about marketing and, and, you know, and getting it to the right places to get get the numbers. You know, it's like because right now, you know, the music's so weird. Like no, it used to be nobody was making money off the streams and sales. Everybody was doing shows, and now you know, since shows with the COVID and everything else, now you've seen the the script flip a little bit and the online shows and you know different variations of these people. You know, musicians having to do improvise. You know, so music's crazy. There's so many. Different lanes that you can make the money off of, you've just got to, you know, grind for one, obviously, and then find those lanes and, you know, see what works and try to use it.
0: Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. Like, I mean, I'm of the mind that everybody in music's an influencer and should study what 18 year olds on Instagram do a little bit because they learn how to make money on the internet. Forget how you feel about them, they know how to make money on the internet.
2: Crazy
0: that is interesting. Mm-hmm. And like, honestly, like, yo, that, like, yo, Jake Paul just dropped a diss song against the fucking Dino White guy. And as much as Jake Paul, I don't want to call him a good rapper, it wasn't trash. It was pretty, like, yo, Jake Paul went in, and the fact <laughs> that an influencer could make a song where people would be like, yo, he went in. That's the world we're in right now.
1: I mean, look, I hate to hate to say it, but like those dudes, those the island boys, man. They, you know, all it takes those one little little viral clip, and now all of a sudden, you know, somebody's you getting get paid get and getting paid. Them. And
2: shit.
1: I, we know telling
0: man, but you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, Willie, you're absolutely hey. correct. Uh, a YouTube rapper will be able to fuck up a non-rapper and make a lit song, but end of the day, his career. Is set, and that yeah. shit can't be taken away from him. And all we can do is debate how much we respect him, and that's fair. That he's a heel. If y'all know wrestling, he's a yeah. in, oh. he's an IRL heel. If you hate him, he wins, and if you love him, he wins, and you yeah. can't get around that because evidently that dude understands Vince McMahon's logic a, a lot, and I'm really impressed by them. The Paul brothers. <laughs> marketing they they found
1: that niche man and they found a way to do like you said make that money they're not they're not dumb you know by any means like they they might look it to everybody else but if you look at it like you just said those dudes are low-key genius they found a way to get paid off there you know it started out with their crazy videos on youtube you know and look at them now them dudes are making money, money. <laughs>
0: you, know, you gotta just think about it. Like, Logan Paul lost $3.5 million to Pokemon cards, and you actually don't see him sweating in that video. Yeah. And I'm like, That's crazy. Um, you're just sitting there going, Wow, that is, it doesn't matter. He's like, Bro, I just made money on losing $3.5 million. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean it's like the
1: Pablo Escobar man I don't know if you ever watched that Narcos on Netflix You know I I learned a lot about that guy You know you catch one ship all right, cool you caught all that but we had All this shit on the underside that we came Back and took later that night after you left Like you know like you said You lost 3 million but dude probably made 10 million off that shit so You know
0: he's He's going to make 10 million Over the next 12 years based off Of a deal he's going to close off That's how these people are it's like it's super interesting. He calls himself a maverick, but he's kind of low key a maverick. Um, but like, <laughs> so like you, you kind of did the rap thing. You hustled the mixtapes. Y'all were like in the early internet era too. Were you like pushing it a little bit from Dot Piff? And what's it like pushing Dot Piff in the beginning of Dot Piff?
1: It was weird because again, I didn't really know much about that side of it. I just knew like, you know, I think I can't even remember if we were. Facebook and her my, you know, with the MySpace then, but, you know, we, we kind of like tried to do our half ass promoting, I guess, then. Um, the first one we did pushed out some good numbers. Like, I don't remember what it was. I know at one point it was over like so many streams, like a thousand streams and a couple hundred downloads, you know, but it, I still, like I said, I don't really know that side of it as far as, you know, utilizing that point of it because I didn't really know anything about, you know, using that. I know that sounds weird, but, like, using Facebook or, you know, MySpace to promote shit, like, I did you know, at that time, it was still kind of that weird era. Like, you had the SoundCloud guys, and we had a few songs we uploaded to SoundCloud and stuff like that, but, you know, looking back at it, we never really pushed those a whole lot.
0: It's not that weird to me. Like, I, w- I was on, like, the early Facebook. I don't think any of us was really sitting there going, oh, this is the – I mean, some of us were – Most of us were not sitting there going, Oh, this is the marketing tool to change my life. Like, you know, I was like, Is she single? (laughs)
2: Like, that
0: was (laughs) Facebook.
2: Oh, shit. That's um, looking great.
0: So, like, after your your stuff falls apart, I guess, with the the group, um, you did a couple of shows. Uh, What kind of happens after that for you?
1: So at that point, I was like in the midst of, you know, having kids and doing that whole, you know, phase of the life moving into that. Um, so I really kind of focused solely more on that, like still was kind of writing and, you know, still talking to people and, you know, doing music stuff to a point, but not really like recording, not really sure what I was going to do. Like, I still knew I wanted to do music, but wasn't sure How Like, I had always went to his studios, you know, always, you know, did stuff with him. Like, I watched enough to know how to record myself, but, like, you know, wasn't even sure how to start that route. Um, I did one, I'll call it a mixtape, as Two-Face, that was mostly my stuff, and then he had helped me a little bit with, you know, at the tail end of that. Um, And then that was kind of the last thing I did up until what two years ago however long you know yeah it's been about two years when i first started doing the obsolete stuff
0: so what made the obsolete stuff come back to life
1: so like i said i made that mixtape um you know life kind of happened things you know got me to a point um my fiance that i'm with now i met her what's crazy is i met her in job corps right about the time i had first started heavily doing music
0: what is job corp
1: Um, so Job Corps is basically like a trade school, but not, if that makes sense, like you go, so it's an option for people up until you're 25, but if there's people that like teenagers, if they get in certain type of trouble and, you know, shit like that, they can opt to go to that instead of going to juvenile detention and stuff like that. So it's kind of a combination of the two. Um, I went for security, um, which was... Pretty much, long story short, it was a waste of six months as far as the education wise, but I had a blast and did a whole lot of stuff up there. Like, really kind of did some music at that time with those guys, like, you know, that I'd met up there, and I actually still talk to a few of them to this day. Um, But that was back in 2009. That was when I first met my fiance, Becky. Um, So, fast forward to 2018, her and I started talking, got together few months down the line um her and i'd kind of gotten on one of those come to jesus deep conversation you know type things about me and my music and all that stuff and you know i she was like babe you know i, I you know you're good at it for one she's like but i know how happy it makes you she's like you know you need to figure out that happy medium if you're just you know do it if you want to do it or not and i told her i was like well if i do it you know, I'm, I'm no, you know, no pun intended, I'm going all in, like, I want to rebrand, I want to start from square one, and I want to do it my way, I don't care if it takes me five fucking years, you know, to get to XYZ, I want to do it my way this time, and, you know, her and I kind of talked back and forth, and tossed it around for a little bit, and then, you know, I decided, well, you know, fuck it, I got Got no other reason not to, you know, it was like everything in life that had happened up to that point and, you know, still it happened kind of kept pushing me that way, if that makes sense. Like, you know, just little things in life where you're like, oh, you know, all right, I thought I had this planned and life was like, ha ha, you're going to go this way, bud. So everything just kind of kept pushing like dude, you've got no reason, just, you know, put your time, put your effort into it, you know, and and take it seriously, and, you know, like I said, never, never wanted to be the, the, the face you see walking down the red carpet, or, you know, all that shit, but it's what I love to do, and it's also, I know, if I continue to believe in myself, and, and find, you know, my, my, I don't want to say talents, but, like, those little things that I can do with my music, you know, it gives me that option to do something actually with it. Um, so that was pretty much kind of how that started. Um, and after a couple of days, I, I, you know, obsolete, I came up with that simply because, as I told you, you know, that's how I felt most of my life, honestly. Like the literal definition of obsolete, that's kind of what I felt like. I was just kind of that person there. You know, it's like I, you know, fake the smiles and the ha ha's and, you know, but just kind of floating through life. Um, and you talked about wrestling earlier, man, back when Matt and Jeff Hardy were in TNA and did the the Broken Matt and, and uh, you know, Brother Nero or whatever it was, that was kind of the obsolete, that was always in the back of my head. I'm a big fan of, you know, wrestling, so I kind of decided I wanted to go with that and then to spell it different. I, I came up with a few other names and wasn't really liking any of those and I was like, fuck it, you know, let me see how I can freak this and came up with how I spell it now and that's kind of where it all started
0: that's dope i fucked with Jeff hardy heavy Not lie, i stopped i watched the wwe okay i don't have the craziest relationship with wrestling i wasn't like i'm some kid <laughs> bullshit, but in 2007 when i was in quebec college we have this thing between high school and everyone else college called Sejep. it's just two years or three years and it's 17 to like 20 ish it's awesome okay. It's everything you all want because you don't have to try. You get high marks and you can basically do what you want otherwise. And it's it's amazing. I'm not going to lie. But we used to just like smoke a bunch of herbs and like go watch wrestling pay-per-views and shades. So it became like super social for me. Um, but yo, I was all for Jeff Hardy, bro. It was when Jeff Hardy won his first heavyweight championship on SmackDown, that was it. I, he left to TNA not long after that, some drug policy shit or whatever. And uh, basically... I mean, he was high a lot, but like that run of Jeff Hardy from 2000 and 2008 was it. That's all I gave a shit about was Jeff Hardy, and everything else in wrestling was less interesting, except for metalingus's fucking that one song, the Edge theme song.
1: That's funny shit. Yeah, see, that's always been like a huge. I guess you know, I've always loved wrestling. Like even when I was a kid, you know, I always used to watch it a lot, and then. You know, the older I got, I used to tell people it's like a male soap opera. Like I quit watching it for a while, but then you, then you get drawn back in because you got those those same guys that you used to like. And you know, like you said, Jeff Hardy was always one of those for me. And then when when I saw what they were doing in TNA, like it, you couldn't help but watch. Like it was just so oddly interesting. But yeah, that that was kind of I drew a lot of inspiration from that.
0: That's fire. Um the more I delve into hip hop culture, the more there are a lot of parallels between wrestling and hip hop. And the more that battle rap takes on a lot of what, um, wrestling does, the more battle rap is succeeding really successfully. Like they've really co-opted the two minute promos, the slots, the runs, they, they really understand the theater of it. And that's always been something as dope To me about wrestling, like once you get, because yo, you're either gonna be like mad that it's fake, or you're gonna see how athletic and how much of a like a a drama it is. And uh, like I went to an indie wrestling show, one of them. You can't, you can't experience that from a video. It's actually like yo, go to an indie wrestling show. It's fucking insanity to watch these dudes throw each other around and shit in real life. Really dope. Like yeah, nuts, man. But, like, I have a question on this. What are your thoughts on the current state of shit with AEW? Are you in a happy place with the current world of wrestling?
1: Honestly, I'm glad with what AEW is doing, just simply because I know a lot of people, like, I guess there's where that fan of wrestling for as long as I have been, like, I see kind of what they're trying to do, and I see why people don't understand or appreciate it. Um, But I definitely see those dudes building a solid foundation just for, you know, what they're trying to do as far as... I I hate... I know they don't say they're competing, but, like, everybody knows it's WWE, and then that's it. You got the TNAs and, you know, the the GCWs and and the, you know, New Japans and stuff. But, like, WWE is that that flag or whatever you want to call it. And AEW is doing a damn good job from where they started anyway.
0: Yeah, AEW is kind of like... Every every person I know that fucks with wrestling gives that nod to AEW, and they give yeah. the nods to the little guys, and they play that community game at that max, and they're like willing to rent out their people to any federation really, and it's hugely yeah. successful. I'm it's telling insane. y'all, if you are a rapper, go look at how wrestling does some shit. You will yeah. absolutely gain some marketing game.
1: Dude, I I told a guy at one of the shows, actually, like, and I know that's kind of a different spectrum, but still the same thing, like, that's how I treat this when I'm doing this stuff with music, like, you know, I try to, right now, I'm branching out, you know, semi-close to do these shows just because it's within my comfort zone, and I know I can, you know, line them up appropriately, but, like, when I get to that point, if I get a show and... You know, middle of nowhere, you know, wherever it might be, if I got to load the car up and, and, you know, ride out and sleep in the car for two days after the show, you know, and drive 24 hours to make it back in time for the job, like, that's what those dudes, you know, do and still do to this day, like cutting their teeth trying to make it you know to where they want to be like that's part of the grind man you know eating eating can of spaghettios in the back seat because you ain't got a microwave you're waiting till y'all get to the next town you hope you make a couple bucks to get the hotel room like that's you know that's something i'd always seen like with the wrestling thing so i kind of took to that as far as doing this music stuff like by any means necessary man i love that motto it's just you know how bad do you want it and them dudes you know the guys you see that succeed those are those dudes that were doing just that like grinding it the fuck out
0: yeah i wasn't even going there with it but you took it in like a yo it just made everything i said about wrestling even bigger and i love that you did that because like i wasn't expecting that side of it but you're right go watch any wrestling biopic these motherfuckers suffered um But, yo, just the characterization of it. Like, if you look at a successful hip-hop place, when it's thriving, there are faces and heels combating in public via media. That is (laughs) kind of why Drill pops off. I know we don't want to support things public, whatever, and I'm not trying to promote the violence, but it's kind of just wrestling to, like, everyone watching it. And honestly, the way a lot of people watch it, they treat it like wrestling regardless of what the content is. Um, like yo, know, you just gotta watch what's his name fucking uh, Trap Ross <laughs> his entire fucking YouTube channel is based on documenting and kind of turning uh, drill beefs into like wrestling in a sense it's, it's pretty wild not in a positive way to me but in an interesting marketing way to see the parallels right. between all of the shit and why people like it still wrestling is, is a powerful source for it and that's dope that you're able to because I mean, even yourself, you drew inspiration from how, which wrestlers inspired you in particular?
1: As a kid, Sting was like my diehard, you know, that was my favorite wrestler as far back as I remember. Um, You know, then the Jeff Hardys and the Rey Mysterios came along. Oh shit, Um, Rey
0: Mysterios, dope.
1: Dude, Rey Mysterio was super dope, man. Um, And that, like, I was always drawn to those guys. The Eddie Guerreros, the, you know, the the Chris Benoit's, the guys that weren't necessarily the big dudes, but, you know, going out there and, you know, being the bad at the Stone Colds. Dude, like, Stone Cold still to this day, if you played that music, that that glass shattering, just like, you can't help but get chills down your spine if you're a wrestling fan. Like, everybody knows, you know, The Rock. That's another one. That dude... grabs a microphone you couldn't help but sit there and listen you know it's like
0: that's super cool um so why uh so you you, let me rephrase that so obsolete comes through what is like the main inspiration for you in terms of the brand beyond the idea of just being obsolete like who are you kind of drawing inspiration from at this point
1: I said, a lot of that was, you know, the Jeff Hardy and stuff, and then really, I kind of wanted to incorporate the two of, like, an, as how I wanted to be as an artist with what type of music I wanted to do, yeah. but creating, like, not necessarily a persona, but I'm an awkward-ass person, man. I tell everybody, like, when I go to these shows and shit, it takes me a minute to, you know, open up and kind of, you know, fill the room and stuff, but, like when i do music that's kind of that you know persona that alter ego so i kind of wanted to find a way to blend the two and create not necessarily this own character but within the two you know kind of form that bond um you know and the heavy influence from that was really you know where most of it came from and then obviously all the music that i was listening to at the time you know big you know tech nines the ritzes the you know stuff like that so where i was at then at that point you know trying to combine the two and still figure out who i was gonna be because i still still didn't even know what i wanted to do music wise i just knew i wanted to do it my way and i still even didn't have a clue how the hell that way was gonna be
0: and so how did you go about um getting beats and stuff so honestly at first
1: um i had a dude who i had gotten a few beats from years ago so i'd gotten a couple beats from him um one of the first ones I did was "Get Famous," which is one of the ones that's do it like has the best numbers on my YouTube. I still am, don't understand. That was like the first song I recorded as obsolete that I you know released. Um, and that all started from a buddy of mine that I did a song with years back. Sent me an idea for a song he had wanted me to do with him, um, and then later on, it hit me up. and He's like, "Man, I kind of you know fell out of doing music." He's like, "But I just I want you to take this idea and run with it." So I took it and and made it my own and and, and dropped that. I was like, that's the go-to, you know, as as Obsolete. I've been working on that for a long time anyway, so it was kind of ready to go. So I fired that off, and then I had been writing the My Story, which was the next one that I released, which was really just kind of a, you know, like I said before, I don't like talking about who I am and all of my, you know, stuff that's gotten me to where I am, but that was really my you know, goal with this music, doing it now. I wanted to be more open and and talk about that shit because it's, that's who I am. You know, I can't say music is what I do without fully exposing it and letting those raw emotions become a part of my music. So my story was like that, opening the door to letting out some of that and kind of giving people, painting that picture as to who I am and, and what I'm going to be doing with my music.
0: I really uh, I appreciate that. I mean, I like the the way that you've almost taken on a persona in a more obvious way. I feel like yeah. most of us take on personas with music, and like we all claim authenticity, but like literally, we're all just projecting fantasies of our best selves into our music, or our worst selves, or our fantasy character this that whatever. However you want to take it, but like, got yeah. a second of cameras on, we all behave different. Let's be real. <laughs> second you, of mic's on, you, we you. all behave right. different. Let's be real. <laughs> yep that's facts like not like you're gonna be a different person but like right now there's certain words we can't say because we're live it's just the facts of the live environment there's little censorship norms that just kick in type thing you also know everything you say etc you know it's all recorded so this this will alter us versus off cam everybody's hair gets let down type thing we like yeah let's have the real chat (laughs) (laughs)
2: um
0: so like are you recording at home when you start doing this, or do you have access to a studio that you're using? started
1: as a athlete. I went to a studio uh, down in Missouri at one point um, and went and did uh, one Missouri other song. far from you? Uh, where we were living at the time was about six and a half hours from where I live now.
0: Hold up. Did you just say you had to go six and a half hours to the studio?
1: No, no, no. no. We were living in Missouri at that time. When I first started okay, doing okay. music. We were down in uh, Missouri when I first started doing music down there. Um, so I did I did a studio down there once. Um, didn't really like you know no disrespect to those guys, but it just wasn't you know I knew what I could do at home, and I knew I knew enough people that could give me what I was looking for if I just you know kind of got all the stuff that I needed to do it. Um, so I kind of got a few things and, and started to set up a little bit, and then. Once again, the life happened and, you know, we wound up back in Kentucky. Um, so I took kind of everything that I still had and, you know, pieced everything back together. And then that was really when I started, you know, hardcore release and stuff. I did, I want to say it was Get Famous, My Story, and Why I, I released all of those in Missouri. And then I Think I'm Not You was like the first track that I did when I moved back to Kentucky. And i was still doing all of those by myself
0: at this point are you doing like just you're focusing on singles or i don't know so if you right have now, any or projects out there that i didn't see
1: i actually have an album coming i'm getting the physical copies on the 18th of this uh, 18th of february um and then it'll be live on all streaming services on the 11th of march um i'm gonna have a couple weeks try and push these physical copies um, I'm old school, man. I love something about a, a having a CD. So that was one thing I wanted to do when I finally got enough material together was put an album together and actually get it pressed up and stuff. So I'm I'm dropping that album. Uh, I have have the physical copies, like I said, on the 18th of February. Uh, it's called the Dy- the Dystopia of an MC.
0: I like that title. <laughs> Does it like hold through with the concept, or is it like more just a collection of songs?
1: So it, I didn't realize how much everything pieced together until I put it all together. Like If that makes sense, when I started, when I recorded Get Famous and My Story and all of those, I didn't intend to do an album at that point. Um, but once I started working on an album, uh, those particular songs, My Story, Me and My Depression... And I can't remember if there's another one, but I actually re-recorded those for the album, uh, got a better quality and stuff on those. Um, But just because they almost had to go on the album, if that makes sense, like with everything else that I was doing with it. Um, But I didn't even have a title for the album. I had like seven or eight tracks done, and I still didn't even know what the album was going to be. And I was actually watching that show Heels, man, and I heard dude said something about his something-something dystopia. And I was like, man, that's a cool ass word, you know, what does that mean? I looked it up, see what it meant, and I was like, Okay, that's kinda dope and kind of again, put my own spin on shit. I'm like, man, this this music is exactly that. It's it's my dystopia, man. All of this is is how I got here and became an artist. Like and then you look at all the songs and it it's exactly that. Like it's I don't wanna say it's you know, track one starts this and by the end of the album you just read a book type, you know, story, but it all pieces together well, in my opinion, you know, I was thinking everybody else to kind of get that same vibe from it.
0: Yeah, I appreciate the consideration. Did you put a lot of time into thinking about track sequencing?
1: <clears throat> oh yeah, I sat over here and honestly, my fiance helped me with that, man. There was probably, I don't know, six or seven different ways I thought I was gonna do it. Cause I, I put all my tracks down, I wrote them down and I had them sitting beside me and I, I was like, all right this should go here, this should go here, this should go here. And I was like, babe, you know, what do you think? And she's like, well, I think you should swap these and then move this here. So then I tweaked that and I was like, well, okay, I kind of like that. But now doing that, this might need to go here. And then finally, you know, when it all kind of came together, you know, her and I both were like, I think, I think that's good. You know, it, I'm a weird person with numbers. So like I wanted my album to be 11 songs, you know, 11 is a 11, 11 is a real weird number for me, like and always has been, so that was kind of a thing I wanted to do with the album, and then, you know, I wound up deciding to put Get Famous on there as a bonus track, just simply because it does so well on YouTube. Um, But yeah, when I pieced it together, it was, you know, exactly that. It it was almost like that's how it should have been from the beginning. So I think, like I said, when everybody hears it and sees it, they'll kind of get that same vibe
0: that's super dope Um, i think it's interesting that you put so much thought into that and i say that because recently i talked to a dj in montreal big name guy like a lot of respect and love so this is a no disrespect statement but what he said to me that struck with me was how from his perception and he he acknowledged that this is from his perception as a dj but from his perception nobody's doing this anymore like nobody cares about albums or sequencing and i'm like what like every artist i know cares about this like i I really think all the artists care about this and then stuff gets in the way that maybe keeps us from achieving the visions or maybe if you're in the big leagues it's a different game but i don't know everybody be dropping well thought out conceptual albums if you're looking for it i'm sure willie scandals if he's here he gets a whole bunch of albums sent to him and he can like attest to that but like that sounds like a more delightful experience to go through when you consider stuff from album review line because stories and progression make an album that interesting. Yeah. I
1: mean, that's that's my big thing, man. I, I try to, you know, I, not necessarily, I don't want to say, I, I, you know, take it serious and stuff like that. But to me, like I said, it's what I like doing. And that stuff, that's that weird, fun stuff to me, like, I know as weird as that might sound to a lot of people, I really enjoyed sitting there for you know a few hours and you know jotting down those those track lists and trying to establish you know one one into the other because to me when I think of good albums, that's what I think about like it starts on track one and by the time you get done, it's like you just went on a journey you know they they don't necessarily all have to tie in, but it, you know you kind of felt like you understood that artist a little better by the time it was all said and done.
0: Yeah, or at least understood the journey. And sometimes the journey is emotional. Sometimes it's more like really direct storytelling concept album stuff. But like I find that like a really good album starts in a place that brings you in. And then by the end of it, you're left with a sense of that makes sense.
1: That's kind of how I did mine. Like the beginning of my album is the more raw, like. I don't want to say emotional but like the more you know lets you understand who i am and then you get about halfway through and that's when it kind of starts you know those tracks four five and six kind of blend in getting to where i guess i am now as an artist not necessarily that you know i make different music but how you know the the confidence that i'm starting to gain that the realization of you know believing in myself man like Even starting this and doing it as obsolete, it took me a long time to get, you know, and I still battle with that, believing that, you know, I need to keep doing this, because I mean, you know, and and like every other, you know, guy sitting where I'm at doing what we're doing, it's not easy, man. Like, there's nights where you're like, fuck, do I really want to go put two hours into the studio? You know, I just work 12 hours at the job, and you know, this, that, and the other, and you know and when you're grinding 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 and not seeing the streams and not seeing you know it's hard man but at the end of the day when it's what you love to do with
0: you my girlfriend would agree with you and i would pretend like that's not exactly what it is but i know for <laughs> a fact she would agree with you
1: yeah it's hard man and it's like you know but at the end of the day my whole life's been told no so it's like everybody can tell me no what happens if i tell myself yes you know it's like and that's kind of where I'm at with it now it's like I'm gonna do it everybody can hate it they can love it either way I'm still gonna do it you know it's like and you can't say I'm not gonna sit here and act like I'm the best rapper you've ever heard or got the best voice you've ever heard or none of that but I'm better than some people I've heard and that's good enough for me like you know I know that sounds stupid but you know, I, I'm I'm decent at what I do, and I know if I, I, I tap into certain things, like, there's there's that potential, you know, and it starts with that Why believing. Think that I that sounds stupid. Well, because to a lot of people, like, especially people that don't do music, like, you know, I know I said that to somebody, and they're like, man, I just don't get it, and it's like, well, you know, it, that confidence, like, you hear it when people record. I know that, you know, again... I tell somebody that makes music, oh, you know, I can tell that dude recorded that reading it off the paper, you know, but you tell somebody that don't know music, they're like, oh, well, you know, that sounds stupid, like, you know, but that's, to me, I know it sounds crazy to a lot of people, some of the shit I say, because I I think I take a different approach to a lot of the stuff that I do with this music, you know, and to some people, they give me that look, and I'm just like, man, you you ain't gotta understand it, you know, it's like, it is what it is.
0: I think it's super interesting. I was listening to your music, and I heard you say some stuff to that effect, believe it or not. I'm pretty sure everything he just said, you can actually find in his bars, almost <laughs> verbatim, down to the you might think it's weird. I'm pretty sure that even might be somewhere.
2: <laughs> hey, I'm
0: a, weird, I'm a weird person, man. I admit it. You know, um, Arguably, the way the world is structured, a lot of people actually accidentally end up doing the same thing so i know for a fact you fit into a lane i know nobody wants to hear that but like it's it's actually kind of dope that like you do because like being all like outside the realms of norms it's getting harder like i think that's the thing a lot of artists are like yo there's you and me having this conversation simultaneously there's probably 10,000 live rapper interviews happening and in the realms of that there's probably clones of both of us doing pretty much the exact same thing in all avenues of life and I feel like as artists that's the hardest part to accept like this was the biggest thing it took me almost 33 years of my life and then it hit I'm really not that special I just done it long enough that that, that's the special part I actually did it for a long time everything else is kind of irrelevant i have the capacity to do this for the next 10 years and that doesn't matter nothing else matters but special man there's so many people that do special shit it's almost like being special is not special in 2022
1: you know you're absolutely right
0: what i do have to say is i saw you do the tiktoks how did you decide to get into the tiktok
1: so, like, you saw where I uploaded, you know, some of that live footage, like, I wanted to find a way to still incorporate it, but, you know, make better visuals, I guess, to a point, point. and again, I'm no, you know, engineer, camera editor guy, like, I, I can't do that, but I know enough to, you know, use what I've got and see what I can come up with, so, you know, my fiance, she goes all to the shows and stuff, and she gets the live footage for me, so I always have all those, and then I was like, man... 86 is just one of those tracks you know a lot of people kind of respond to it and I really enjoyed that particular performance that I did that TikTok to so I wanted to find a way to you know make a decent video with it so I sat here and you know slapped it all together with the TikTok filter and kind of pieced it together and then pulled it over to my computer so I could line it up with the audio and stuff so it all kind of matched out and if you watch it close enough you can almost see it's like a half a second off but i almost got it to the point where like you know the audio matches up with the video and stuff and then and uploaded it that way because i know tiktok's a big thing right now like that's everybody's using fucking tiktok
0: <laughs> Yo, i respect that so much dude that is fucking hard because yeah you know, it's hard when, no what i mean is like Let's be real. Once you get into the TikTok editor, you're a video editor in your mind. You go from... It's like this transformation happens. You go from, fuck a TikTok to, I can do anything on TikTok. (laughs) And that happens basically the second you open it up and go, this is the best user interface for a video editor I've ever encountered in my life. I feel brave. It's crazy
1: what you can do with that app, dude. Like some of those you know, effects and shit. I'm like man like how do they i don't even want to know but how do they do that (laughs) like it's super dope
2: man
0: that's what the ai stuff does it does does this powerful like real-time machine learning and i'm saying like photo editors and shit now do heavy machine learning that's why like a lot of cheap photo editors are really good now and adobe's sweating a little bit Like, Adobe runs on ecosystem, not really app necessity, because you can really work around a lot of these apps for a lot less money just because the tech behind it is so (laughs) AI-driven.
1: Yeah, and, like, you see a lot of people that were doing, like, the thriller videos and stuff like that. Like, you just, you know, I'm trying to learn how to utilize what I got. I'm not trying to get, you know, professional at putting videos together and stuff, like, but I know I have stuff, and there's got to be ways, different ways to... Show it and you know utilize it. So that's kind of where that comes in. Like just learning enough to kind of use these to my advantage.
0: I think that's dope. Do you, do you, do people respond well to that video when you put it up?
1: Uh, it it did all right. Um, I think I posted part of it on a reel on my Facebook and it got like three thousand views or something like that on the Facebook page. Um, I think I can't remember what it did on TikTok, but like every time I upload, there's a couple different ones I've done. I did them for a, a buddy of mine. Him and I did a song together. I just threw the album art up and like threw some trippy effects on it and stuff like that. Like I think people appreciate it more because it's that same thing. Like everybody wants music videos, so it gives you something to kind of look at that's cool, even though it might not be a video per se, but it's you know giving you something to catch your eye so that was kind of really the the sole purpose of doing it just giving a visual to you know to the music
0: no that makes a lot of sense because i'm gonna it's like tiktok was already a huge thing five years ago when not we gonna stop considering it a hot topic fair <laughs> question i'm forcing it down people's throats because i don't want to TikTok by myself so i bring it up a whole bunch low-key that's a huge part of it but also it's different now um what changed is that corporations are like actually getting into TikTok in the way that they moved into Facebook. So the fact isn't that TikTok's a hot topic; it's that TikTok is so mainstream, it's the mainstream. That's kind of yeah. hot topic. It's not like TikTok's hot like the way it was on the emergence post musically merging yeah. with whatever that other company was. Now it's it's actually like a flex. Like we're talking my day job and i cannot go into detail about how we can use tiktok in professional capacities in ways that are like nah this is a hot topic to be real like it is i just can't go into super detail right now well i mean it's a hot topic to me if you're a geek in the way i am for these kinds of things it might not be a hot topic to the rest of the world but in a sphere of my world you're gonna hear a lot of social media marketing because that's my profession
1: see and like that's that's what got me into tiktok to begin with because a guy i talked to that you know was kind of a promoter like kind of one of those guys that you know did a little bit of all of that he was like man he's like i know it's gonna sound crazy you know because you're a little bit older and stuff but tiktok's where it's at man he's like tiktok and instagram are are your best routes like as far as algorithms and all that stuff go like those are the ways to go and he's like i know a lot of people like oh you know tiktok tiktok and i finally broke down you know and started using it and i I see it because you you know, you start seeing the numbers, and you're like, Man, I've got, you know, ninety people following me, but this video I uploaded hit four hundred and fifty views. You know, it's like, oh that's that's what's up. You know, so it exactly like you said, it's it's a crazy marketing tool that if, if used properly, you know, you can make some good money with TikTok and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I only started using it I think it, like properly. Like I committed in like December. So like Yeah. It's I'm not, still this not obsession committed in my and mind. My I tried to maintain 3 posts a day. That is fucking hard. Like really yes. f- you got to actually take like a 5 hours of your life to like get that 3 posts a day like every week. TikTok is yeah. crazy big. But then I started watching Budman, Budman, this random ass rapper guy and he makes 1 minute music videos on TikTok and they're fucking fire. And uh, he has like mm-hmm. half a million followers and shit. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to ignore the TikTok rapper with five half a million followers. And he's not really my cup of tea, but I love his video editing. It's really fun I'm to watch. Right. I never cared about any of that before TikTok. He was like, zero shits about video editing before TikTok. Yeah, shit. Eh, I don't know. It's more fun now. TikTok makes All it right. easy for me. There um, you go. What kind of like marketing campaigns do you think of for yourself if you're into the wrestling sphere and you've created a persona for yourself do you have like these bigger scale like if you had the budget ideas you would run with i had the budget i mean i
1: i'd like create crazy ads you know for you know different platforms just to you know like the, the uh, masked wolf the first time I came across that dude last year I literally heard his music because it played while I was playing YouTube at work one day it played as an ad and I was in the middle of working you know not realizing oh that was an ad playing I'm like what is that playing I don't think I've ever heard this why is it and I was like oh this is an ad oh that's low-key genius like just throw a whole ad in there I mean you know a lot of people watch YouTube you know while they're doing stuff or whatever You know, so just stuff like that, but, you know, as far as, like, logic-wise, me, again, that old-school mentality, man, I'm the go put boots on the ground and go staple up flyers and slap stickers around and go hit up shows and venues and, you know, stuff like that. I feel like there's more of a—I feel like it's more personal that way, you know what I mean, like, in a sense.
0: Yeah, um— i mean i was just talking to somebody from new york who was like bro before the internet that was networking it was you yeah. had to leave your house it's super yeah. baffling to me my whole life is don't leave the house I actually have to, like the opposite i have to like force myself like i could make more money if i never left the house which is fucking creepy and it's something i actually yeah. try to like not indulge as much as i live life but yeah i guess there's still a huge thing for that too i mean also like maybe geography plays into it like do you find where you're at there's like a thriving live community like for music where you can just be like go out and be integrated into it
1: i think it's come back around man like you know like i said i used to do this you know years ago and it was it was kind of weird like the music scene was still kind of weird around here and stuff But now, you know, I didn't realize up until last year, it's a lot of, you know, that same thing we talked about earlier, people trying to come together and build like a community, you know, and try to, you know, push each other and, and, you know, just genuinely make good music that, you know, I don't know, I guess it went from everybody, you know, oh, I can't work with them you know i gotta i gotta outshine them or i can't do this you know because i gotta do my thing and now everybody's like oh you know if you and you and you come together we can get this venue and we can you know rent out and do a show and now we can bring you know so and so along and now we can you know do this and do that like it's kind of flipped over you know on its head completely from what it used to be when i first started doing music as opposed to what it is now so i think everybody listen
0: to what that man just said though I don't know if you heard it, but every music scene out there, that be feeling it away. Listen to what he said. Yo, we link up and we pool resources. We can make bigger moves and collectivize. I'm telling you. That's actually really fresh. And this is Kentucky, right? Like the yes, local sir. Kentucky scene? I mean, it's just, again, yeah. I, I never think about it, right? Like I'm never going there. So what is like the sound of Kentucky?
1: You know, it's funny, I talk about that all the time, man, and I, you know, I go ahead and say trigger warning, I might hurt some people's feelings saying this, you know, the way I do, but like, there for a while we had the Nappy Roots, you know, years ago, that was like the big thing we had, Nappy Roots was kind of killing the scene, and then really as far as I know, like, mainstream-wise, I think we've got Jack Harlow, and I think we've got, you know, Bryson Tiller, both Jack those Harler are-
0: like, comes from Kentucky?
1: Yeah, yeah. He's from he's from Louisville if I if I'm not mistaken. Um
0: oh, but you know he Louisville, how do you say it? How do you say it Louis,
2: right?
1: Louisville.
0: Louisville. Yes, sir.
1: There you, you know go. You
0: mean? I've been saying it like Louisville or Louisville my whole life. <laughs> normally everybody
1: does. But yeah, I think he's from Louisville and I think Bryson Tiller might be from Lexington. I'm not sure, but you know, not knocking those guys and what they do or none of that, but I don't think either one of those guys really match, I guess, what I think Kentucky sounds like. And to me, you know, it is that nappy roots, raw, rugged, we're a little country, we're a little rock and roll, we're a little hood, we're a little, you know, Kentucky's like a big, you know, melting pot aspect. Like, oh, yeah. Like, Yellow wolfs from right outside of Antioch, which is right down there by Nashville, about an hour and a half outside of where I'm at.
2: So just
0: it's kind of like yellow. the whole of like Tennessee, Alabama. Like, y'all kind of, um, y'all kind of like end up in the same core sound just due to, cause you know, when I'm looking at the map, like relatively speaking, they're, they're smaller geographic. Like, you could drive across them in a couple hours type thing, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm overstretching that. So, like, it really hey, is just, like one kind of, do, do you find this like, I guess like differences between the different states in that area or is it more like homogenized?
1: Uh, I think it's just different, like depending on where it is, but everybody I've noticed, like, especially with the South, it's got, you know, depending on where you're at, it's got its own unique sound. Yes. But you know, it's got this, especially where I'm at, like Nashville and all that area has been really known for country, you know, for years. Like that was the country music, you know, Mecca, so to speak. Um, But now it's, again, kind of like, you know, flipped on its axis and become this hip-hop, bluegrass, you know, soul. Like, a lot of it's, you know, you're hearing a lot more of these Yellow Wolves and these Jelly Rolls and stuff because that's really all kind of what, you know, everybody around here grew up on was vibes like that mixed in with the hip-hop and, you know, the rock and roll and stuff like that, so.
0: That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I knew Yellow Wolves set up shop in, nashville at a certain point which got me excited because my aunt's out there but um i guess he had a huge impact then and that is a city that produces music machine superstars it knows how to do it it's got the industry and i said at a certain point they're like yo there's hip-hop money let's get it and yeah there is this crazy amount of people that came in that lane um i know of a few of them but mostly because of yellow wolf i don't know he's like yeah. the ambassador to me to the entire movement Like, to me, he'd be like the only guy that would have ever introduced me to any of these people. Maybe Bubba Sparks, but I don't know if he's relevant anymore.
1: Jelly Roll, like, for me, I knew a lot about, you know, Jelly Roll, like, back when he was doing the, you know, the Welcome to the Trap House and the the 10 minute freestyles and stuff. And, you know, he's from Nashville and, you know, never really got a whole lot lot of love. And I, I remember reading an article last year about how, you know, they never wanted to let him perform at the Ryman Auditorium, which is like, the huge, you know, venue in Nashville, and then they finally let him do it last year, and he sold it out in, like, 45 minutes, so, you know, it just tells you how music, you know, the the atmosphere has changed down that direction with music, you know, like I said, it's crazy to me, because, you know, there weren't a whole lot of shows, opportunities back when I was doing music, you know, as Two-Face down in the Nashvilles, and, you know, down in that area, we were more, you know you had them a lot around here like you'd go up north a little bit but now it's like that's that's where everybody's trying to go the the nashvilles and and stuff like that
0: so you like you're basically geographically set up to create like an ecosystem of live performances in this like nashville area
1: Oh, yeah, I've done a few in Nashville last year. Um, Clarksville, which is in between me and Nashville. And then I go up to Louisville. I've done a few up there. Um, Right now I'm trying to work out ones up in Lexington, which is on the other side of Kentucky. And then, you know, just work this whole area where I'm at and then, you know, slowly expand out from there. Because like you said, for the most part, where I sit, you know, everything is within a few hours reach, depending on where I want to go and how I want to do it. So, you know, utilizing those, you know, to my advantage.
0: Yeah, fucks with that heavy. Um that's super interesting. Like I guess like like I said at the beginning of this, I never fucking think of Kentucky. I know about the chicken giant because yo, PFK, I know that might sound strange to you, but PFK, Pulethri, Kentucky, and I'll say I'm trying to say you see you Quebec. Um, that shit be all over. We it's not really my favorite no more, it got expensive. But, like, yeah. you know, actually, eating American KFC is, like, a real bucket list thing for me because I don't think I've ever had American KFC. Bro. <laughs> like, but um, other than that, like, yeah, the states kind of turns into, like, the 10 states you give a shit about, and then there's the other states who almost go, oh, yeah, when you hear their name. But like, yeah. to think about the geographical powerhouse of the touring potential of where you're at, like you're basically set up in a place where if you want it, you really can just get yourself constantly booked. Do you get paid to perform yeah. or do you have to pay to perform? Uh,
1: so I'm going to start getting paid to perform here. These next couple shows that I'm doing, I've worked something out with this dude that I'm getting paid to do some shows you know, of course, nothing nothing big, basically, a lot of it's, you know, I'm getting tickets at this rate, and, you know, I sell X amount, everything else outside of that's mine, um, but I am, I'm making enough money back on it that I can, I guess, sort of justify it to a point, um, but that's the goal, that's why I'm doing, like, these openings for these, you know, semi-decent-sized artists and stuff like that, because at the end of the day, that's not necessarily the biggest way to get money, but I know, like, that's, that's the funnest thing i love doing and i know there's also the aspect to get paid you know decent to go do shows here and there so do you,
0: do you find it's translating back to the internet like you're doing the irl stuff do you find that this is like moving into i guess streams and followers and do you see that correlation
1: to a point um because a lot of these like it's not even necessarily the performing, man, like the networking, you know, just just meeting these people at these shows has really panned out as to how, like, situations now where we're sitting down having a conversation. You know, a lot of these guys that I'm talking to doing different stuff, that is dudes I've met that, you know, I met this guy at a show, and, you know, we linked up on Instagram, and then he had some dude that added me, or I might have added him, and, you know, because that... To me, again, it comes back to that being more personable, man. You know, you get to put yourself out there in front of these people and kind of show them, you know, because you, you get online and everybody's sharing their, their mixtapes or their singles and, you know, stuff like that, which is cool. But there's not that correlation of putting a face with a name, so to speak. But when you go do these shows and you network with these people, you know, now you're you're building relationships with them and, you know, in turn kind of comes back around.
0: Nah, I agree with you. Um, And, like, yo, one of the big reasons I struggled for a big part of my career um, was that uh, I only went to shows if I got booked. I know it sounds what it is, but I had a 9 to 5 my whole rap career. And as I got older, it got harder to, like, fucking go to some shit that started at 11 p.m. and go to work the next day. So I'd have to, like, do vacation days to, like, go to shows. That's whatever excuses it may be. Um, But then I heard about Fat Joe and uh apparently fat joe would always go to everyone's show even if he hated their music and he would always roll deep no matter what fat joe's coming to your shit and i mean look at fat joe today and it's like legacy right like fat joe's like a legend and it's like you can't take that from him and he's still in the game and he's still a relevant figure in the game like people care about him when he speaks yeah And that comes from when you trace it back, this communal attitude that they rolled with and the support he showed to so many people. And that was big for me. So flipped a lot. I tried to show love to other people after that moment. And so what you're saying about being present, I think it's really important. Like, yeah, I went to some dude show in November because for like a brief moment, Montreal had music again. And then- um, (laughs) It's what it is. <laughs> and, yeah, okay. like the people I met there, though, it's like, yo, say a word. Like, yo, I, I politic like a motherfucker. I booked an interview mm-hmm. that night. Like, it was like, yo, this is wild. Like, it would have taken a lot longer to talk to that many people on social media, to be real with you. It's actually yeah. just a lot more efficient to be in a room full of 200 people.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly it, man. Like, you know, through... I didn't even do a show but through going and supporting some other homies of mine at one of the shows last year, you know, a few months down the road, it turned out, you know, a dude reached out to me to come fill the slot, you know, because a couple people bailed on him and he hadn't even seen me perform at that point. He had just seen me as the guy in the crowd hyping up my homies that I came to watch and you know everybody else that was hey there word. too.
0: That's a big nudge nugget. You hear what he just bro, said? Like, he came and hyped up the homies and caught the promoter's attention.
1: And that's how it is, man. Like, to me... I tell everybody I'm an artist, even when I come perform, I'm an artist, but I don't care if I know you, don't know you, you're going to find me, you know, standing at the front of the stage or off to the side, you know, somewhere out of the cameraman's way, so, you know, I'm going to hype you up, even if if I'm not vibing with you, man, like, even if I don't like what you're doing, you know, music-wise, not something I would listen to every day, I'm still going to get out there and rock with you, man, because, you know, You look out and I've done clubs, you know, where there's, you know, 10, 15 people out there. And it's like, you know, you get one or two people. You're like, all right, cool. I got somebody vibing with me, you know, and then those couple people tend to start vibing around them, you know, because you got one or two people doing it. So it's like, again, it's just back to building each other up, man, and working together. It's like if we all come together and make enough noise, somebody's got to listen, you know, regardless.
0: I fucks with that heavy. I have a very tangential question. But it comes from Zamanel in the audience. And I don't know if he was serious, but I love the question still. Because it's related to something I was curious about. Does Obsolete play Project Zomboid? Because the game takes place in, how do you say Louisville and surrounding towns.
1: I do not. So I'm going to have to look into that.
0: Do you game at all though?
1: Not much man I, I know I'll sound like you know super corny here i I play like the NBA and the Madden every now and then when I did game but like I mostly just started playing fortnite a whole lot more because my kids play that and they live like 12 hours away so that was really my way to like Hang out and kick it with them and, and game out on it's something like that.
0: lame thing you could have said.
1: You're like, Bro, I no, I meant like gaming wise. Like everybody's like, oh, oh, Fortnite. It's like, well, you know, I'm not a diehard fucking play Fortnite every day fan. But if my kids want to shell out 12 hours on Fortnite, by all means, you'll catch me sitting in the chair gaming out with my kids on Fortnite. Like, you know, but I'm not. I was never a big gamer. No
0: that's fire still I never thought about the parental bonding that would come with Fortnite and how many people bro it, it,
1: and my son like he's crazy good at that game like I started playing again simply because he was so hardcore about it and you know him and I started playing together and I'm like man dude I don't even want to play with you anymore like you're making me look bad I don't, you didn't I don't even think you were born when this shit came i like what do you know about this but yeah, it's fun, man, and then my daughter got into it, too, so me, my fiancé, and uh, my son, and my daughter just get on there, and we'd squat up and just, you know, play for a couple hours, man, Have have a good time.
0: Shit, that sounds like a stream waiting to be had, my guy. Family my guy. son's actually
1: trying to get into that, man, like, he's big, that's all I keep hearing t- him talk about now, he's like, Dad, I want to stream, I want to stream, and I'm like, well, Dad don't know much, but yeah, I promise you, I'll
0: But I would highly encourage that, and I can hook you up with a Microsoft Word file that might give you some instructions that help him get started. Well, that
1: would be super dope, bro, because I told him, I was like, because he sees me, I tell people all the time, too, man, they're another big reason why I do music, because I was that kid, you know, when I told my dream to my parents, I kind of got laughed at and, you know, got that old, you know, suck it up and better have a better dream. But, like, I want my kids to see me, even if I fall flat on my face, to be like, Dad chased his dream. He wasn't scared. You know, we're going to go do what we want to do. And I told my son when he started telling me about streaming, I was like, I don't know much about it. You know, dad does music and stuff like that, but everything I can learn about it, you know, I promise I will soak up and, you know, teach you and try to show you what I can because he's he's been adamant about it, man. That's all I've heard out of him for the last couple months.
0: Yo, the fact that you want to encourage him excites me. Uh, people may not notice, but my parent, my, my my mom, my dad was super like that, like super discouraging into the music shit. Like half the reason I still rap is some petty vendetta because he told me I'd never be able to do it. He told me I would never sing, so I spent the last ten years learning. My poor girlfriend had to suffer for this project. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there, though, bro. But um, shout out to Immortal Radio for saying the uh i played oh, tons really. of roblox with my daughter is real roblox tangentially is a metaverse and your kids are being indoctrinated into the metaverse so fuck your feelings my guys it doesn't <laughs> matter it's over yeah. <clears throat> yeah. you know I was, I was thinking about like because i was that geeky internet kid yo shut up breakfast cereals yo lady friend bonnie is the realist one yo there's not like like he said before there's no obsolete without like you know her becky2482 or something i think (laughs) um then um yeah basically we we have bonnie behind the scenes who does she uploads clips she fucking does a lot of shit um i mean she's there you know moderating i mean i know for a fact she don't always listen and sometimes she mutes the shit until i say shit like bonnie and she knows she has to show up and <laughs> throw her face up and shit but like she'd be there she'd be like mad supportive like yo you got to just imagine what it's like to date somebody that goes live sometimes twice a day almost every day and shit like it's not simple for her for whatever no. it might be And she got to deal with that. And then everything in her life is fucking exposed because she's dating me. And it's just what it is because I'm going to talk about everything.
1: (laughs) Right. And that's exactly it, man. Like, that's part of it. And then when you got somebody that supports it, bro, it makes it all the better.
0: So speaking of Immortal, though, because, yeah, how did you link up with Immortal? Because I know that if you go to immortalradio.ca slash obsolete, there's a whole page with i would love to redo the the font sizes but otherwise it's a wonderful page
1: (laughs) you have to yell at aaron about that one so uh, i linked up with them over the devil's night festival last year um some crazy one of those i'm still not quite sure how i wound up getting you know invited to do be on the show um but after that performance aaron reached out to me and you know was telling me you know they want to work with me and stuff like that and he was like man you know here's my discord you know if you'd like you and i can sit down you know have a video chat and kind of talk it up and you know see where your head's at and see you know if we can kind of work together and uh aaron and i got on a video chat dude and i think we talked for like two hours the first time we talked and uh i just kind of knew from then i was gonna rock with those guys man aaron aaron's a good dude that's my homie man i got nothing to love for him and all them dudes over at enigmatic just because you know, they've all got that same mindset, like, let's push each other, bro, and build something, and and make some noise, and, you know, those dudes, we got people everywhere, man, like, not, you know, in the grand scheme of shit, you know, as far as the world goes, like, we literally have guys, you know, almost everywhere, so it's like, and and we've all got that same mentality, so, after Aaron and I talked, it was kind of, Kind of over from there, I decided to sign and start rocking with those dudes, and uh, they're helping me push this album when it gets dropped. And then I'm actually working on an album with just strictly their producers um, and their engineers and stuff that I'm
0: going to be dropping towards yeah, the end of the year. Another question.
1: <clears throat> Go for it.
0: Are you on that Scribble tape?
1: I am. Uh, I got a verse for "Vengeance is the Beat," I believe. Um, I don't know what
0: "Vengeance" one
2: the first is.
1: Oh, it's it's gonna be dope when you hear that. I can tell you
0: that. No, I have all the beats on my computer, so I know. But <laughs> <the people. laughs> um, I was like, I just don't remember which one it is. I know he was like, do more verses, and I was like, I, I did the one verse. So and then I gave it in, and then he has it. So that's wonderful. Because I sent it to him, and then the WeTransfer expired, and then I had oh. to go resend it to him. There you go, Immortal. I I with Immortal though. I just want to shut him out for a second, cause like, oh, yeah. um this conversation yeah, yeah i'm a shithead yo that's what it is to fuck with me immortal i'm a shithead uh but oh, immortal's man. a great dude because like low-key uh he hit me up um and has been really interesting in the level of supporter that he's been so i did do this devil's night festival i did all three of his festivals uh, and i thought that was cool like he set up internet based youtube shits arguably we should have done it on twitch but he did it on youtube and next time he's gonna do it on twitch and then put it on youtube after and it's basically like he collected artists from around the world different locations i know there was definitely a couple of continents represented and oh yeah these two three-hour streams upon which you can see me and this man also both of us participated in this shit so we came through And then he did two more of them in a span of like six months. And it was pretty impressive to me because I felt like, you know, in general, it was super in line with the internet communal goals and shit. Um, And then behind the scenes, he's like, yo, bro. Let me introduce you to this guy. And let me introduce you to this guy. And let's do this partnership shit. And then let me send this motherfucker over here. And then all of a sudden people are in my fucking Instagram asking me for interviews. And all of a sudden immortals here going, hey ha hey, hey, yeah, there's the interview happening. Now the thing about life is people like that are very fascinating. Upon which, if you really don't believe me, go watch the interview with Enigmatic. That's not out yet because he took forever to send me a picture but will be coming soon. <clears throat> And when that drops he's a super interesting dude but basically yeah follow people like that because regardless to what you think those are the people that make moves a lot of people talk that talent game but talk to people who introduce you to people those people are super valuable and i would argue immortal beings on instagram is probably somebody you want to follow and apparently go to immortalradio.ca as his twitch is reminding me up here i suppose That's follow his twitch because as he says it's coming in 2022 so now you are one of the enigmatic artists and i believe that plugged the shit out of your boss mans so do you feel like uh it's dope being part of that like do you feel like it's made a difference to you as an artist he's like yo it really is you know affiliating with a label and stuff and we're in a world of fuck a label so being affiliated with that, like, was that hard for you to make that decision? Um, and yeah.
1: First, and Aaron even said it himself, he was like, you know, in the messages when we were talking on Instagram, he's like, I'm sure I probably sound like every crazy other spam email, you know, or message you've gotten at this point. He's like, but you know, that's why the whole video chat had got broadened up, you know, and after talking to him, man, I just, I knew like, It's what I wanted to do simply because it would, you know, benefit me, yes, and, and, you know, help build these, you know, work with them for all of us to build up together. But, you know, just hearing that same love and passion that dude has for what he's doing and then, you know, I talked to him, I think it was last night, him and I were on video chat again for like two hours just talking up ideas and chopping up, you know, what we're going to do next with this and what we're going to try to do here and, you know, it – it almost, like, reignites that passion every every time, you know, of why we're doing this and that sense of purpose. And, you know, not just him, the other guys, you know, Liam and, and shout-out Apollo. I seen him in the comments earlier, you know, guys like that, they've shout got out that Apollo. same shout-out Apollo for, for sure. And then, you know, my dude Hermian that be mixing a lot of my stuff, and, and those dudes have that same vision, man, like – you know, we, we start working together and putting our names out and, and, and making enough noise, you know, there's enough of us out there and enough, you know, like you said earlier, the talent thing, I mean, you know, all of us got the talent and spades, but, you know, building that community of people that, you know, the numbers speak for themselves, like.
0: The next question I have, I wanna start asking this in every interview, is how you feel about VR and the future of the metaverse and what your thoughts are as an artist going into the metaverse.
1: It's kind of intimidating just because I'm late to the party, I guess, as far as like learning to utilize these social medias and things like that, you know, with my music and stuff. So it's like I feel like I'm finally getting a little bit caught up and it's like, oh, great. Now we're going to go do this. It's like now I get to relearn and learn how to use all this. (laughs) But other than that, it'll be interesting, man, because it looks like it's giving people a lot more opportunity to do Exactly like what we're doing. And it's good in a sense and, and scary in another aspect.
0: Yeah, I like that answer. Would you fuck around with VR performances?
1: Uh, yeah, probably. I'll do anything once, you know?
0: I love it. <laughs> nah, I mean. Yeah. There's just a lot of advantages to it, I suppose. I mean, in regards to having spaces, I saw somebody watching Joe Rogan podcast playing pool, and I was like, say word, people could be watching me playing pool if I create the room for it. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> ah, so when do you think after your first project drops, you would become following it up? Like, do you think your next round is going to be just a bunch of you know local shows promoting it, or are you going to come right away with the next project?
1: So, the goal is I want to take like six months. I'm dropping, I'm working on finishing this, getting this single finished up. Um, I bought a beat pack from Chris and Chris Calico and Wishmack Master back in November um, with some beats and features from that. So, I finally got one together that I'm finishing up now. I'm going to drop that as a single um, and kind of push that while the album's still going and, and pushing the physical copies of the album and stuff. And then really just kind of push that for the next six months with the album and slowly finish up this Enigmatic album that I'm doing. And I've also got this collaboration EP that I'm working in between all of that that'll have my Chris Calico features on it and the different features I'm doing with different artists and stuff like that because I want to still be able to have you know access to do those things and not necessarily have to have a project for them but still have a purpose for them if i don't just want to do a bunch of singles while working on another album
0: yeah i feel that you you're okay the whole beat pack thing baffles me to be honest with you i have a lot of like it's like one of those like and then all the now that people can just like i guess share a Chris calico feature because I heard – because I've seen other versions of this, and I'm like, nah, man. I saw like four people use the same Crooked Eye verse. Now, I'm not even hating on it. It's just like for you as an artist, is that like a weird thing or is it like you're just mad cool with it?
1: The first time I did it, I got this beat combo pack from the oil temper thing when they were doing the – the Cappadonna and the the Jaren Benton, that's where, when you played that smooth talk earlier, that's where that verse came from. And It was really really more so of a, yeah, everybody can use it, but it's like, if I make mine stand out enough, you know, then it it stands out to that aspect. You know, I'm not big enough that I had to worry about so many streams and now I need to go back and buy, you know, the whatever license I need to have for it. Uh,
0: So when you cop the B-Pack these like features have limited licenses
1: uh, but it's some like i don't want to say crazy high number but you've got like you can do i want to say it's like five hundred thousand streams or certain you know certain ones have certain you know i guess contracts if that's what you want to say like if you you know surpass certain things then you have to come back and basically decide what to do from that point and i think that's how they get away with like doing you know doing that to where everybody can still kind of use it You know, but still, if it gets past a certain point, you know what I mean? They've got to justify the numbers.
0: So basically, this whole business model is based on the fact that most people are probably not going to hit the number that's required. So thus, it will never feel saturated to any local market.
1: Pretty much. And I think that and then like, I know with the Chris Calico ones, you had the option to buy like camera what it was like upgrade from the normal pack and spend like x amount more to get you know however many more rights or you know whatever it was um and i didn't you know go that route just simply because like i said i don't see them you know i'm still kind of in that weird stage where i don't see the numbers you know if i drop one song and it hits those numbers great then we'll you know cross that bridge when we get there but until then you know it was more so to just you know another means to do a track and then say hey you know yeah you know it's a beat pack whatever but open up that creativity to kind of do something different you know what i mean and still be able to say i did you know whatever with it
0: can i ask a whole question that might sound kind of dumb but i'm still curious and i never thought about it before so let's say you're at four hundred ninety-eight thousand streams are you allowed to let it get to like 501 or are you, like, well I to get in trouble? Like, do you have to, like, go to them beforehand? Like, how does that actually I'm not, work?
1: I'm not really sure. I guess I'd have to look into that myself. But I would imagine, like, at that point, you know, it would be on the radar enough that, you know, say, for instance, whoever's beating stuff it would would notice. And then at that point, they'd reach out and be like, okay, cool. You know, this was the original deal. You know, you've reached this amount between now and, you know, the time or whatever.
0: Cause you have to like release it tagging these artists in their like official stuff.
1: Yeah, it's Hold weird. On. Like I don't remember.
0: Immortal just said you kneel, young that fucker, and take it down. Is that gonna be a thing? Can we can we do that? Can we just say we kneel, young stuff moving forward, and that's just like the new slang? I'm oh, in. I mean, I get that.
1: Cancel yep. culture, you know? So why not Neil young? It. Let's go. <laughs>
0: I'm with it It works in all contexts. Immortal is done. That's the new process of removing your content from the internet to avoid legal ramifications slash ide- ideological issues.
1: Neil Young, it bro, it never existed. That's
0: amazing. Oh, <laughs> That's awesome. Um, is anyone watching? Have any questions? I mean, again, shout out Immortal. being there too i don't know if immortal has questions because he'd be here like the whole time watching too um and like do you have anything else that you are up to that you want to share with the people out there
1: i mean other than just dropping the album these couple shows man just you know steadily grinding like you know working my ass off and trying to put my face in front of people that you know ain't seen it before and hell even people that have man because you know I tell people all the time I want to be the hardest working dude hardest worker in the room and I don't mean disrespect, you know, anybody by that, but you know, that's that's my mentality, you know, in my nine to five job, you know, and I treat that the same with this music shit. Like, I want to be that guy that you're seeing pop up everywhere because that in itself shows, you know, I'm not this isn't a game to me. Like I know that sounds shitty to say in some aspects, but like nah, spit I it's not a game shit. To- It's not, man, like, and it's, you know, people, a lot of these people not knocking nobody or hating on anybody, but a lot of these people see the glitz and the glamour and the go in the studio and record and, you know, think it's, that's what it is and the glorious golden road to the top, and that's, that ain't what it's about, man, like, yeah, everybody hopes to write that one hit and, you know, congratulations and good luck to everybody to do so, but it's the grind, man, like, as much as I hate to say it, it's a weird you know, glutton for punishment type shit, like, I love grinding it out, and sitting in the studio for, you know, three, four hours after a long day, and then you're sitting there falling asleep while you're writing, it's like, man, I should go to bed, but oh, I only need two more bars for this verse, and I'm feeling it, like, alright, we're gonna grind it out, We're you know, or whatever it is, man, just, just working, working, working.
0: Yeah, and I think it's important that people recognize that this is actually what some people bring to it that level of tenacity so like when when you decide what you're doing with your day it's just worth remembering that people push it like that like i try to push it like that i don't know if you work harder than me that's a super hard thing to measure <laughs> like but like i relate to all what you're saying like that it's not a game shit like nah man it's like this or i die or some shit like what other choices there? like yo i'm so deep it's like yo i can't stop this in fact it's like no. i gotta find ways to go harder and smarter smarter though smarter yeah. is important most definitely but like, smarter but like yo there's just a lot of people that are really willing to work 90 hours a week for the rest of their life out there and those people will probably go farther than the people who only want to work 50 hours or the ones who want to work 42 hours you know like It's just kind of a math thing because of the exponential growth on some Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hour shit.
2: One of my
1: favorite quotes I heard in the song one time, you know, when you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful. Like, everybody don't realize how bad you want to breathe until you can't, you know? (laughs)
0: Like,
1: that's real shit.
0: What song is that?
1: Uh, Oh, man, give me a second. I have to think. Uh, I think it's called Pushing by... T, T Ferg, maybe, I'll find, I know, if I YouTube it after we get off, I'll send you the link, it's like in the beginning little intro, but it's a, it's a nice little motivational track, but yeah, the first time I heard that, I was like, man, it's a whole, like, dude's giving a motivational speech at the beginning of the song, that's what it comes from, but the whole little story that he throws it in there with, I'm like, man, that's, that's real shit, like, you know, everybody, you know, when you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, it's like, you, you, drown your head in some water you, you want to breathe pretty bad and that's that's life man when you start you know feel like you're treading water and, and floating and in over your fucking head you want to breathe real
0: bad <laughs> i feel that heavy man um immortal wants to know and i feel like this is a little bit he's plugging the project a bit what are your favorite songs from the upcoming album
1: my personal favorite, I love 86 just simply because it's fun to perform. Like, you know, I know it's got that little Ricky Bobby like vibe in the beginning, and that's kind of my attitude. Like, I know that that arrogant, cocky shit comes out of there. Like, that's kind of how I feel. Um, also, I really like All Work, No Play um, simply because that was a project I started putting together like in May of last year, maybe. And when I first heard the beat, I immediately knew who I wanted to put on it. Um, so I got it ready and, and sent it over to the first guy, and it took him a couple months, and he got it back to me. And then my other homie, Be Good, it took him a little while to get it back to me. But when I first got it back, I told my fiancé, I said, I wish I would have told you to record it You know, when I listened to it that first time, because it came out way better than I would have expected it to. So hearing that, that's definitely one of my favorites on the upcoming album. Um, and, and, me and my depression, even though that's one of the first tracks I did when I first started, you know, as obsolete, um, just cause that song, like if anybody's really going to feel a song on, on my album, I think that'll probably be the one, uh, just because, you know, we all, we all deal with that type of stuff, whether we want to admit it or not. And that's it's about as raw as you get, you know, as far as me as an artist.
0: I fucks with that. I definitely felt... You want it to be authentic with your music so that's why i use the word authenticity in the title um, and i fucks with that uh, immortal wants a no plug question too fair uh three okay. dream collabs that you would love by the end of your career
1: ritz is automatically got to be up there um just for the the impact on you know his music in my life alone Jelly Roll probably be the other one, just because I really love where he's come as an artist and the stuff he's doing. Um, And then I'm gonna throw an off the wall wall one out of there and say it'd be a toss up between J Cole or Joyner Lucas, Um, just because those are two like more of the I hate calling them mainstream artists, but like those guys that you're seeing on the radios and stuff that you know those guys are are pretty pretty dope, you know, artists in my opinion. So
0: yeah, I feel like Joyner. I had to get over myself to get into what he's doing. And then when I got over myself, I respect him more. But it took me a minute. I don't really like his music, but I don't... I, I felt like I was being an old man hater about Joiner Lucas for a minute. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I respect. he took a minute before me too man like joiner my fiance really liked him you know she she kind of had more love for him than i did at first and then he kind of he dropped just a couple tracks man like i don't even think they were more of his like radio hits that just kind of caught my attention you know when i was like all right you know maybe i should give him a little more of a listen um but ritz and jelly roll like i said man those two especially ritz i remember you know when he signed with Strange Music, dropping that questions freestyle or whatever it was in the, you know, booth, man, I still watch that video to this day, like, you know, when he, White Jesus and all that, like, you know, those guys, they just watching what they've done, you know, with their careers and where they're at still, man, you, you respect their grind, because those were those dudes, man, they, they weren't going to take no for an answer, and they were going to pop up, you know, holding the wall middle of nowhere, you know, because that's, they knew that's what they had to do.
0: I respect that um i never got that far into the deepness of their culture but then all of a sudden it's like there really is this entire subculture that these dudes built off of like you know i mean after ritz left strange music he did a lot um and a lot of them did and i respect that a lot but you have another follow-up part to that um an out of genre collab
1: out of genre collab ooh okay I'm, can i can i follow his question with a question for my answer dead or alive
0: both whenever somebody asks me that I'm like, well right. if you're giving me a choice i want both the answers
1: all right so alive out of genre um i'd want to do like either matchbox 20 or Same word. <laughs> Dude, that that's like my niche singing wise. Like vocally, that's about my realm. What I like to try to do between something like that and like Johnny Cash. That's why I asked Dead or Alive, man, because those are two that I can think of. You know, I'd love to personally just with my vocals be able to sit down in a room and make a song with um.
0: Uh, another random one because you mortals like hold on he's indulging me two dream country slash areas to perform that are not in the united states of america
1: um i I don't know what the scene's like over there but i'd love to go to ireland just because that's somewhere i want to go so it'd be kind of cool to perform out there like um and then the other one either japan or australia because those two just seem like a kind of weird market to tap into that you know would be kind of fun
0: yeah those are pretty freaking good questions uh good answers and i like the fact that you're like fuck my desires what markets can i integrate into the best (laughs) Hmm. which is less like dream and more strategic but i'll fucks with the answer stills Honestly, uh, this is a cool conversation. I really think you brought a, a lot of interesting to the table, and your just willingness to be open minded is refreshing. I really fucks with that. I mean, maybe that's just the Kentucky spirit, but like again, <laughs> it's not like it's. I mean, I'll, I'll rectify it, man. I'll come through one day. I want to go see all these these other places I've never been. Cause yo, sometimes it's Montreal. Like we kind of we kind of up our up our asses a little bit with our northern shit. It's just kind of what it is and uh it's good to see the rest of the world and see how other people live so i really appreciate you sharing i guess all your perspectives and stuff with us that's why we call it bridge the gap so we can you know connect and see things a little bit different like that um thank all of you out there for watching too right because it's cool to see the comments come through it's like it's just enjoyable and it makes it more fun and keeps at least myself more energized throughout the whole process because you can feel that like it's not like real life, but it's also not like what people who never do it feel it is on the internet. Internet's crazy energy is weird. Um, Yeah. Shout out all the people who watching in the future, like follow, subscribe, all the, you know, good stuff. Patreon.com slash behind that suit. It would be super lovely. All the good stuff out there um and do you have any last words you want to say to the fine people of the universe
1: uh first man i want to shout you out i appreciate you having me like definitely you know what you're doing you know i love seeing stuff like this because it's giving us you know opportunities to do just that kind of you know deep down and, and kind of pick apart the person you know who they are as an artist and how they get to where they are um second you know like you said shout out to everybody watching you know sitting in the comments and stuff like that i appreciate all you guys, man, because you know, at the end of the day, that's what we do this for, like, you know, I do it because I love it, but, you know, seeing people and, you know, supporting and stuff like that, and, and, you know, shout out to everybody, you know, battling with whatever it is they got, demons, you know, depressions, all that stuff, man, like, keep fighting no matter what your dreams are, no matter what you do, at the end of the day, the only person that can tell you yes and mean it with all, you know, every word is you, and go out there and do what you want, we get, you know, regardless of religion or belief or all that, we get one one chance in this physical form of a person. And, and you know, at the end of the day, I, I never wanted to be that 70, 80-year-old man going, oh, I, I wish I would have did this or I should have done that. or No, man, I, I want to live, you know, do what I want to do, and, and that's what everybody should do within, you know, certain reasons. Like, you know, it's our life and we should get to live it. And, and, you know, while you're doing that, support everybody else, man. Life's hard enough. We all got bills. We all got, you know, drama or, you know, shitty jobs or whatever it's like. But, you know, just support each other, man. You never know what the next guy's going through. A little love and a little good vibes in the world can go a long way.
0: Yo, big facts. I appreciate that. That's a good ending. Thank you all once again for being here. And Yo, live long and prosper, everybody.
2: Peace.